Well, we're going to read from the Bible now, and uh, if the mums and dads have page 81 open in front of you, you will see we're continuing our studies from the book of Exodus, and I'm going to read uh, chapter 23 from verse 10. So, uh, you'll see from uh, chapter 20 that God has just given the Ten Commandments. And here are some of the outworkings of the Ten Commandments and what they look like. Uh, Last week, the Lord who carried the Hebrew people in eagle's wings, who rescued the Israelites out of Egypt, now gave them these instructions. Exodus 23, verse 10. For six years you are to sow your fields and harvest the crops. But during the seventh year, let the land lie unplowed and unused. Then the poor among your people may get food from it, and the wild animals may eat what they leave. Do the same with your vineyard and your olive grove. Six days do your work. But on the seventh day do not work, so that your ox and your donkey may rest, and the slave born into your household, and the alien as well may be refreshed. Be careful to do everything I have said to you. Do not invoke the names of other gods. Do not let them be heard on your lips. And then it goes on to talk about not one, but three Harvest Thanksgiving festivals. Three times a year, you are to celebrate a festival to me. First of all, in verse 15, celebrate the feast of unleavened bread. For seven days, eat bread made without yeast, as I commanded you. Do this at the appointed time in the month of Abib, for in that month you came out of Egypt. No one is to appear before me empty handed. And then the second harvest thanksgiving, verse 16, celebrate the feast of harvest with the first fruits of the crops you sow in your field. And then thirdly, celebrate the feast of ingathering at the end of the year when you gather in your crops from the field. Three times a year, all the men are to appear before the sovereign Lord. Do not offer the blood of a sacrifice to me along with anything containing yeast. The fat of my festival offerings must be not be kept until morning. Bring the best of your first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. Do not cook a young goat in its mother's milk. Well, we pray that God will give us understanding of this reading from His Word. Well, I wonder if you've had a chance to look around the whole church and see all the lovely things that are decorating it this morning. Maybe when you came in, maybe when you looked at what everything is here, look at those tomatoes. Aren't those just amazing? So somebody has grown those in their, in their glass house, I think. So have a look at all those wonderful things that are all about you. Because on Harvest Thanksgiving Sunday, we generally we generally decorate the church with all these uh, fruit and vegetables and flowers, and we give thanks to God for the food that we eat 
and all his provisions for us. Now, I have heard people say to me, there is no place in church for harvest services because they're not part of the liturgical calendar, like Christmas or Easter time. Um, but that's just plain wrong because they haven't read Exodus 23. And there we've just read that the church in the Old Testament celebrated not just one harvest thanksgiving, but three. There was the Feast of Unleavened Bread, or Passover, uh, and that took place around our Easter time in March or April time. And then there was the Feast of Harvest that we call Pentecost, which happened around May or June time. And then thirdly, there was the Feast of the Ingathering at the end of the year, which the Hebrews called Tabernacles. And that was around this time of the year, September or October. And these feasts were the great fulfillment of the Exodus, because remember, God had come to rescue His people out of Egypt so that they could go and worship the Lord. So this morning, we're going to think a little bit about those Harvest Thanksgiving festivals mentioned here in Exodus 23. And the first is called the Feast of Unleavened Bread, or Passover. Now, what did you have for breakfast this morning? Yes? What sort of cereal? Cocoa Pops. There we go. Obviously, your dad knows nothing about nutrition. We'll have to get a medical advice in your household. Right. Anything else? What's that? Nothing, nothing, okay. <laughs> what did you eat? Rice oh, Rice Krispies, the healthy option, all right. Good, anything else? Yes? Did you really? Wow, that sounds good. Anybody have toast? No. Toast is for old people, isn't it? <laughs> I had two slices of toast. All right, so when your mummy or daddy or your granny and grandpa have toast, what do they toast? What do they put in the toaster, yes? Bread. Ordinary bread. Okay. Well, that's right. Um, they, they use ordinary bread, which is made with yeast. And the ordinary bread, like that over there, makes uh, the yeast makes the bread rise, and it makes it soft, and it makes it delicious. But I've got some unleavened bread for you this morning. All right. Anybody allergic to unleavened bread? because if you have, don't take this, please, or my life will not be worth living. James, will you give out some unleavened bread and uh, let the boys and girls taste some of this? And please, please don't make any crumbs with it, or Davy will have my life. Unfortunately, uh, unleavened bread is a bit crumbly. What do you think of it? Is it all right? Okay. It actually doesn't taste very much. Doreen, you've had unleavened bread, haven't you? Where did you have unleavened bread? In California. Wow. And Doreen told me this morning that if you put unleavened bread in water, it, it uh, gets bigger. So there we go. So some people have had unleavened bread, and you're getting unleavened bread, which is bread made without yeast. It's a wee bit like water biscuits, by the way, or, or cream crackers uh, that we eat uh, with cheese. Well, the Lord Jesus, um, He is the one who is uh, the one who 
uh, talked about Passover, but we'll come to him in a minute or, or, or two. But God told the children of Israel at Passover time they were to celebrate the beginning of the harvest season by eating this bread. It's called matzo bread, if you were Jewish, bread made without yeast. And it is unleavened. Now, will I tell you why it is unleavened bread? Why it is bread that hasn't risen? When uh, God freed Israel out of Egypt from slavery, the children of Israel left the country so quickly, so fast, they left in such a hurry that they couldn't wait for their bread with yeast in it to rise. And so every year, to remind them when God passed over their homes and rescued them from slavery on account of the blood of the lamb that had been sprinkled over the doorposts, the Hebrew people were to celebrate with a feast that included eating unleavened bread, just what you have eaten this morning. Now, I wonder, as Christian people, I wonder what it is that we as, as believers in the Lord Jesus must run away from as fast as we possibly can because we have been redeemed. So we come now to the second of these three harvest festivals. And this one uh, took place in May or June time, uh, the third month in the Jewish calendar. And it's really a celebration of the end of the wheat harvest. And in Leviticus, which gives us some more details on this festival, we're told that uh, the people had to bake two loaves, normal loaves with yeast in this time, and bring them to the Lord as a kind of a, an offering, a kind of a, a way of saying thank you to the Lord. They would have been massive loaves. Um, if my calculations are right, they would have been two and a half liters of flour to make up each loaf. So these are two double crusties uh, from our local baker, uh, but I, don't think, I think they'd have been much bigger even than these. Um, and of course, this is responding then to God's goodness in uh, providing the harvest for the people and bringing this token uh, back to the Lord. But we also find out in Leviticus that counting uh, is really important as you celebrate this feast. You have to count seven weeks after Passover, and then you celebrate this festival of uh, the end of the grain harvest. Um, and so it's called in, in the Jewish uh, part, or the, the Old Testament part of the Bible, it's called the Feast of Weeks because you count seven weeks after Passover. Um, but it comes to be known in the New Testament as Pentecost. And that means uh, 50 in Greek. And the reason is it's not actually uh, seven weeks exactly. It's seven times seven, 49 days, plus one. 50 days after the Passover, you celebrate this harvest feast, this feast of Pentecost. And that counting is really important because what it means is that this festival of harvest takes place in the third month of the year, of the Jewish year. And we saw a few weeks ago uh, in Exodus 19 that that's when the giving of the law took place. The people left Egypt during the Passover, and during the third month of the year, they received God's law at Sinai. And so every year, the people celebrated harvest, thanking God for his goodness, and remembering how he'd how he provided for them, um, and also remembering how God had gave them the law written on two tablets of stone. Every year they, they came to God remembering his goodness and remembering that God had wanted to guide their response to his goodness by giving the law. 
And so God's goodness always brought with it this response of wanting to uh, obey God's will and follow what he said. And I guess we should do that too. As we celebrate harvest, we're going to want to celebrate our harvests, giving thanks for all God's goodness to us uh, in creation and in salvation and respond by obeying God. And we do that by keeping God's law in a similar way to the people of Israel. And that law is a law of love. One of the instructions for this harvest festival involved the people being told that they weren't to glean right to the edges of their fields. They should keep a little border for the poor who didn't have fields of their own to come and get uh, grain from. Uh, And why did they do that? Well, because God has concern for the poor and the needy. And so his people should, uh, should live lives of love just as God has loved them. If it's convenient, I wonder if you would turn back to page 81 to Exodus 23 that we looked at and verse 10. Because as we read Exodus 23, the Lord gave the Hebrew people instructions about the Sabbath. That was their day off. Look at Exodus 23 verse 10. When the Hebrew people were slaves in Egypt, the poor people had no day off because they were forced to work every day without a break. And now that they were freed from slavery, the Lord reminded them that just as He created the earth in six days and rested on the seventh, so now they no longer had to work all the time but they were allowed a day off to rest and recuperate and recharge. What a wonderful, wonderful gift. And so verses 10 through to 13, you can see the instructions there about how you don't have to work on every day of the week. God's law is good, and God's law is kind. And sometimes people who don't understand this, they say, God is a spoil sport, not letting me work on a Sunday. But you see, that's so wrong. God is a wonderfully kind Lord for giving us one day in the week when we don't have to work, and we are free to recharge and worship. But do you see that not only did God give the Sabbath day as a rest for the Hebrew people, but he also gave it as a rest for the land and for the poor people and even for the animals. And so in Exodus 23, verse 10, it says, six days do your work, but on the seventh day do not work so that your ox and your donkey may rest. God's thinking about the animals. They need a rest as well. And the slaves born into your household and the foreigner so that they too may be refreshed. So, God's law is so good. God's law is so kind. And because God has been so generous to us, we too, as Sam was telling us, we are to be compassionate and kind to the environment, to the animals, and to other people as well. So in our prayers now, Esther is going to lead us. Let us pray. 
Gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, today we thank you for the harvest from which we benefit. But we dare not simply feel pleased that we have so much without also thinking of others who have so little. So we pray now for everyone who's been affected by the terrible earthquake and tsunami in Sulawesi. Those who have lost loved ones, the injured, and those whose homes and livelihoods have been damaged or destroyed. And we pray that those in need will receive all the assistance they need. And that the, the gifts which we give today through Boys Brigade and through the relief efforts of Tear Fund, Christian Aid, and local churches in Indonesia, many will find practical help and spiritual hope. And all these prayers we ask for the sake of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Well, this morning we have thought about the first two harvest festivals that are mentioned in Exodus 23. And on the order of service, you can see how they are highlighted there. The Passover, which happens in March or April around Easter time. That's called the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And then Pentecost around May or June time, the Feast of Weeks or where we eat wheat bread. And then you see the third one, which is called the Feast of the Tabernacles. And that's sometimes called the Feast of Ingathering, when the children of Israel reminded themselves of God's provision for them in the wilderness, when He gave them manna, when He gave them water from the rock and uh, it was also a way when they reached the promised land, they were able to give thanks to God for all the harvest that had been uh, gathered up before the winter storms. Now, already I've encouraged the boys and girls to look around, but I really do want you to have a good look at all the wonderful things that are up here in the pulpit and on the communion table and round the church, because you can see the wonderful things our farmers have been able to gather in uh, this month, the month of October, before the cold and the wet of the winter months. Uh, there are all the lovely apples to make apple tarts, and there are potatoes for our mash, and there are the cabbages and the leeks to go with our hot dinners. Uh, and not only do we have all these lovely things that have been gathered in from this country, but we also have produce there from other parts of the world as well, oranges and bananas, exotic fruit. I even see a pomegranate in the middle of the communion table and other exotic vegetables. So all these lovely things are here. And after the children of Israel escaped from Egypt, before they arrived in the promised land, they had to travel through the desert. And when they were traveling through the desert, they didn't have permanent houses with bricks to live in. So they had to live in tents. And another word for a tent is a tabernacle, because a tabernacle simply means a tent within which you dwell. And so at this time of the year, the Jewish people, for their third harvest Thanksgiving service, they constructed booths, tents. If you can imagine a tent that you would sleep in in the summertime, imagine those being placed either side at the front, and they would hide inside those tents for the harvest Thanksgiving service. And why did they do that? Well, these shelters were reminders to them of what they had experienced in the desert. 
as they were traveling through the desert, nowhere permanent to live. They lived in these little tents, and God provided for them manna and quail. He gave them food to eat, and God provided them water from the rocks, something to drink, and how thankful we are for wonderful, good food and clean water. And we must never, ever take those things for granted. But there's one other thing we as followers of the Lord Jesus must give thanks to God for at this harvest, Thanksgiving time of the year. In John's Gospel, chapter 7, verse 37, John tells us that on the last and the greatest day of the Feast of Tabernacles, that is the day when water was taken from the pool of Siloam and poured out in the temple, on the last and the greatest day of this harvest thanksgiving feast, Jesus stood up in the temple and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let them come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said in the book of Ezekiel, streams of living water will flow out from within them. By this he meant the Spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. So on this occasion, on the last and the greatest day of the third harvest festival mentioned here in Exodus 23, the Lord Jesus said, I am the water from the rock. I am the one who gives you absolutely everything that is necessary for you to live. I am the one who provides living water who provides not only what is physical for life, but what is spiritual as well. I am the one who satisfies your deepest desires, all your needs. And so when you celebrate Harvest Thanksgiving, we are also placing our hope and our trust in Jesus. He is the source of our life. He is the giver of the Holy Spirit who dwells within our hearts. He is the one who unites us to himself. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, on this Harvest Thanksgiving Sunday, as we bless you for all your goodness to us, we praise you that while our sins are many, your mercy is more. And we pray that strengthened and encouraged and enabled by Christ, who gave his life and granted us the gift of the Holy Spirit, we may go from here ready to love and serve and exercise love and service and compassion to other people. In Jesus' name, for his sake. Amen.